We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Howdy, y'all. Um, we have a full crew here. Kevin Allen will be joining us in, in a moment. Um, just wanted to start with this because I was at the Leaf Sabres game last night, and a lot of stuff in, is going on in Buffalo sporting-wise. And I, it just a, as an observation of where the franchise is and where the focus of Buffalo is, the Bills made the playoffs after being not being in the playoffs for, I believe, 18 straight years. 99 was their last playoff game, home run throwback, and then they made the playoffs this year on a miracle. Um, and even though they're, they may take a little bit of a step back this year, they're capturing the excitement of the fan base here because they're making trades. They're doing a lot of things. It's a lot. It's very positive after years of uh, negativity about the Bills. The University of Buffalo has the biggest upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, beating Arizona, which nobody expected because the one of the the big uh, center from Arizona is expected to go top two or three in the NBA draft. Was that your school, Mike? Did you go to University of Buffalo? No, I went to Buffalo State. As I thought, okay, okay. but I have a lot of friends who went to UB, so I was very happy for them. My brother went there. I mean, if it matters. Yeah, and 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 the thing the thing is, I it's like I I went to the big sports bar with Russ and I were there at the. Uh, at, for the 2016 draft, uh, uh, 716, the big sports bar. Yep. And the place was loaded with Leafs fans and Buffalo and University of Buffalo fans. I saw maybe three people wearing Sabres jerseys. And that's that's where my point is here. UB is captured for the moment, the excitement of the sports fan in Buffalo. The, the Bills are making the playoffs. And if you look at what happened last night in the arena – the Sabers got booed when they announced. We're live, Kevin. When okay. the when the Sabers were announced, it was I would say ninety percent Leaf fans. The Sabers were booed every time their name was. You know, the the the, the public address announcer was saying, "Here's your Buffalo Sabers," and they got booed relentlessly. And you know, the Leafs won the game. And every time there was something that was pro Buffalo. The, the majority of fans, which were Leaf fans, were were really raking the raking the Sabers over the coals, and I think that's just sort of reflective of where things are right now. I think the Sabers, and I, I'm not blaming Jason Botterill or Phil Housley because they're new on the scene, but the organization and the ownership really have to come to grips to the fact that the that the fans in Buffalo are completely and utterly frustrated with the incompetence that has been shown over the last few years and the bad luck that they've had. And they better they better do something to turn it around because I think there's there's gonna be a, a great exodus of season ticket holders. It's 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 a bad scene right now, and they they have to turn it around because this is a great franchise, but they have to turn it around because right now it's it's not it's not pretty. Yeah, but it's too much pressure to say it's got to turn around in one year. Like no, just, no, just you know, it's only uh, year two of his regime, right? I mean, it's not his fault. No, just give them something positive. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's been absolutely nothing positive about this year, Russ. Eichel gets hurt. Opozo gets hurt. The goaltending 
situation uh, is is in question. The de defensive situation is completely in tatters. They didn't get what they expected for Evander Kane. All these things. There's been not one positive thing, except maybe the second half of Sam Reinhardt on the entire Buffalo Sabres scene. And that's. Yeah, I, think, I think next year you can look forward to Casey Middlestad. That's positive. Yeah, I think they got some good players. Coming. So I mean, you watch the market. They're not. They're not. This is. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I wrote an article like earlier about a month ago watching them play and saying this Sabre team's not they're, they're going to be good like they you, you watch them and you feel like I, I feel like when I watch them they're going to be good I, I think they remind me of other teams early on I mean the, the issue is they they lost a bunch of years there and they had a, they had sort of a fake or one or two fake rebuilds but I feel like they they actually started a rebuild in the right direction now and it feels like they are in the right direction you're the eternal optimist. I mean, yeah. I would say 80% of the fan base don't believe what you're saying about, about the Sabres. Wait, you know I'm, what? I'm That's usually cool. optimistic too, but I, I, I don't agree with that. You know, when I watch that team, I, I just don't see there's enough. Like I, one thing that struck me when I watched them early is, is that uh, Tim Murray left that cover a lot more bare than people realize. Like I, I don't see that they have a ton of great players coming. I, I think they have some coming. But I and then I'm a big believer in Botterill, and I think Phil Housley is going to do a terrific job. But Great. you know, Botterill changed up this team quite a bit, and he didn't get the impact. I think that that's where the fans are most frustrated. Like he had the opportunity to at least make some strides in the offseason, and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And Kevin, I think you raise a good point where you say he didn't have the impact. He changed up the team. But part of changing a team and looking at things is you need to understand if you change a team thinking what you change is going to have an impact, mm -hmm. you better know, you better be sure to understand that when it doesn't have an impact, that you figured out why. And I'm curious if the Sabres have figured out why. Because in theory, I think it would be a fairly safe consensus to say they should be better than they are. But why aren't they? Is it just injuries? And do you gamble on that for next season? So in that case, that's a, that's a strategic sort of viewpoint that Botterill is going to have to take. And he's going to have to justify it to himself, to ownership, and say, we're going to be better simply if we're healthier. Now, that's a gamble because you can't guarantee health. But if you look at the team, I'm more on the side of there's a lot of great pieces here, but these pieces don't fit together the right way. And that's where the change has to okay, be. But I mean, Brendan Gooley coming and Middlestat might play for the team next year. That's without making any free agency moves. Then after that, you still have Will Borgen, who's in the playoffs with St. Cloud. And you have Olofsson ripping up the SHL, which means he'll probably come over and at least play in the AHL next year. Right. Plus, who would they get in this year's draft? Now, to me, if I'm a fan, that's what I'm looking at. And and Allmark might be their starting goaltender next year. Yeah. Um. I mean, the, the thing is, like, for the acquisitions that that Bottrell made, like the biggest impact that Nathan Bullyu and I was pro that move, you know, trading and getting him for a third round pick. Um, the biggest impact that he's had this season was the was the right hand that he threw at Matt Martin last night. Other than that, he really hasn't had much of an impact at all. And to Kevin's point. A guy like Alex Nylander, who was picked eighth overall, his first year was sort of a disaster in the AHL. He was injury. He started this year injured. He's he's not putting up great totals. 
and remember, this is a situation where this is a new general manager and he's going to he's going to value the assets accordingly. But this was the asset of another general manager. And if he doesn't turn out, then he could be free to move him out and move somebody that he likes in. So this is it's a tricky situation. And I, I years I, away, I think, though, from moving out a Nylander. No, no, I, I'm just I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, but, 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 but the point is, Russ, and you're in better position to answer this than any of us, but. You know, the thing about the Sabres prospect list is Middlestad is an A prospect. We all know. Um, but how many other uh, A prospects do they have? Are, are most I mean, the they don't have any other A's. Yeah. But I would say Olofsson at this point is a B plus. I mean, yeah. in a league against men, he's got 20-something goals. Yeah, yeah for sure. Goals. I mean, when I've asked around people about the Sabres, they, you know, they all say the same thing. They got a few guys, but it's not like it's overwhelming. Like, yeah. There are some teams, obviously, that have a lot of, of, of premium players that are going to kind of step in, and sure. you know, Buffalo's not there yet. I, I just think that um, you know, generally, as uh, um, as as you mentioned with that, you know, I'm usually you know pretty optimistic as well. But with Buffalo, I just think it's going to take longer than than yeah. people realized. I, I agree with that, Kevin. And I think the problem for Botterell is is going on, on the idea that, yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot left in the cupboard. He also has to make some some determinations of what, what way he wants to go. You can't just keep acquiring pieces right. without a direction of where they are. And what's compounding that problem is some of the pieces he has that people are saying, oh, they got a few pieces. We're not sure quite what they are yet. Right. Like, well, and, you know, I go back to it. Zach Bogosian was supposed to be a huge piece. Evander Keen was supposed to be a huge piece. And they didn't work out. So now you're stuck trying to fill those holes. And, and, and this is the danger cycle that you get into. And Buffalo is really on the verge, if they're not careful, of falling into some serious Oilers-level funk here. Well, they're going to get a second. They're going to get a second A-level prospect in the draft because right now they're dead, right. they're dead last, yep. and they're either going to get Darlene or Svechnikov or Quinn Hughes or Brady Kachuk or one of those yep. one of those guys. Yep. Um, so, I mean that that's that's a positive for Botterill, but I'm I'm just saying. Right now, they're in a tenuous situation with their fan base. They're starting to get tuned out. They're, they're, it's it's too, been too many years of being at the bottom of the league, and this isn't Arizona. This is a hockey-mad market, but you got to give them something to be positive about. Otherwise, you're going to see thousands bail out on their season tickets, and you know it, they won't come back until the team turns around. So that's where they are right now. Yeah. And you got to remember, I mean, this is a team that went hard after Babcock, right? I mean, they at one point they went hard for Babcock. They went after Stamkos. I, I was told that, that if they would have won the lottery, the Babcock would have gone to Buffalo. If they got McDavid. Right? If they got McDavid. If they won the lottery and they got McDavid. The I Babcock, mean, you never know. I mean, right. that definitely. No, I, well, I, I would, I, I guess not, but it's just a guess. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, right, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. That's that's in, yeah. that's in Mike Babcock and his wife's mind. But I, I was told that, and also mm -hmm. I was told by a couple Buffalo Buffalo reporters yesterday that you can expect Botterill to probably trade, you know, a a a significant player off their roster. I don't know. Now they didn't specify, but I don't think they're trading Eichel. But you could see them maybe trade Reinhardt when his value is up or trade Ristolainen in, in a market where next year the top free agent is John Carlson. And after that, the free the defensive free agent market is really barren. And he's locked up for, I think, three more years in the five-plus million dollar range. They could really reap a, a reward for, for Ristolainen. So be on the lookout for, 
for that. To me, yeah. uh, I would trade Ryan O'Reilly before I trade Ristolani. They won't yeah. be able to get a Ristolani. Even Brendan Gooley's not going to be Ristolani. He's going to be good, but he's not going to be Ristolani. And once you trade a guy like that, right, the replacement cost on a guy like that is too much. That's why right. I would trade a Ryan O'Reilly, and I think they'd have to eat some salary, but yeah. I think they can get a good take for him. That's what I would do. I, I, I just don't see that either. I mean, yeah. like, like I, I mean, you live in Buffalo, so you're yeah. more wired yeah. more than maybe than I am, but mm-hmm. I just can't see him knowing Botterell um, the way that I do and the way that he views things. Why would they trade Ristolainen? Well, unless they, uh, the organization has soured on him, and obviously he has to play top-pairing minutes because I think he's clearly their best defenseman. He's a right-hand shot. I mean, I would take him on any team that I that I would run. I mean, if, if he was out there in the market and, the, and, say, the Leafs are looking for a right-hand shot defenseman, I hope they go after Ristolainen. So I, I agree with you, Kevin. I, it's It strains the, the bounds of uh, – uh, to to think that they would trade him, but it, you know if they win the lottery and they got Darlene, you know that then, yeah, then you maybe never, all that's wrong. Never you never blame a young defenseman, uh, you know, in a situation like this. I mean, that's the worst thing he can possibly do. I mean, he, he and then when you have a team like this that has all these holes, he's the last place you would look. I mean, Ristolainen is not the problem. No, I agree. No. And I, it's it, this is the same yeah. logic. This is why I reference the Oilers because it's the same logic that might have Clefbaum traded this year well yeah let, right? let's, and, and yeah. this is it's wrong let, let's transition <laughs> yeah. to that because i was curious at mark what mark specter wrote a couple days ago and and he was reporting and i don't know if this was rumor or he, he had a, a source on this you know but he was talking about a nugent hopkins deal to ottawa involving mike hoffman and if you look at the structure of the team obviously they you know they have dry they they're paying dry as a center to not, like i know that they've been playing nugent hopkins on the wing with mcdavid in the last few games yeah. so i you know they're trying maybe they're trying just to, to boost his numbers or whatever but they're talking he was talking about a an rnh for hoffman deal with with the uh with the senators and it would it would make sense for for the sens because they're not particularly strong up the middle but I've heard Kevin that a lot of people think that Drysital is a better fit on the wing and not at center. And if he's a winger, they're overpaying him at eight and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, I've heard that as well. But I, you know, I I don't think that's like to me. You know, I guess that you know you can make a case that that makes sense from from Edmonton, but you know that's not really not their issue. Uh, you know, no, like, it's not. They've got so many more things to worry about. Right, yes. like. That's the that's the thing. Like I plus I think all bets are off because don't you think Shirelli's gone? Yeah, yeah, I think ninety nine percent he's gone. Yeah, so if he's gone, it's the new guy that's going to come in and make those decisions. They want an interesting GM job, you know, if you're a GM out there, like to go to the, the to go of all the of oh, all yeah. places you go. I mean, this is that's going to be right. fascinating. You get yeah. Connor McDavid. It's fascinating. When can I, when do you ever jump in on that kind of well, thing? Here's the thing: like you get Connor McDavid, and then you press you have you get the pressure of having Connor McDavid. Yeah, too. but you'll take like, it. I mean, you take it any day of the week. Yeah, you do. For, you know for sure. But I mean, like, what other job do you get? Yeah. Like, you know, starting out with a piece like that, you know, because what's been lost in all the disappointment with the Oilers is Connor McDavid has been great again. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, right. he's been great again. Like and you don't get a great cap situation <laughs> either. Well. You know, people say that all the time, but and we've talked about this on the show. If you look at everybody's, go to capfriendly.com, and I ask everyone to do this as an exercise, and look at what everybody does. Everybody pays two or three players a lot yeah. of money. Now, yeah. not quite as much, but the, everybody does that. 
So mm -hmm. anybody can fit two or three players uh, into their budget. Especially one of them's if, getting the wrong money, and like Milan Lucic, that's that's sucking up a lot of cap space for them. Well, it, it is, but, you know, and there's mistakes elsewhere, you know, like yeah. – uh, and you know, you look at what the the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are paying. You know, they're they're paying uh, a bunch of guys yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. But but Kevin, but Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh salary for what they're getting out of Malkin and Crosby is way undervalued. And right. Kessel, I mean, and Kessel, I mean, it's like three of them. Like I mean, they, they they have three huge contracts, but they're getting three huge returns. They all have over seven. I think I think the issue that everyone had with the Lucic signing was simply he's not going to live up to that. Especially oh. for the term, he wasn't that player anymore. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 paying Malkin and Crosby. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I think it's eighteen point two million dollars, whereas uh, Kane and Taves are being paid twenty one, and McDavid and and Dreisaitl are being paid twenty one. That yeah. that three million dollars. That's the difference between that's an average player, right? Right. right, right. Yeah. But, average. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I mean, don't don't you know don't start telling me, oh my God, they could you know that that extra money that three million dollars is just a is just an average player now. I mean that right that's the way it is. Like I don't think that's that's the issue. Um, it's a three know, or four defenseman, you know, like it's like a that's basically what it comes down to, right? Like or or it's or it's the million dollars added added to the contract of a a, a consequential player that you either lose that you could lose in free agency. You know, it, it could, you know, that could be the difference between being able to keep Patrick Hornquist or losing Patrick Hornquist. I don't you think look at it, you could look at it that way. Um, you know, I mean, I think I would think they'd find a, uh, you know, if it was just a million dollars, they'd figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, sure. I think so. Now, yeah. the, 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 right, we got to start the show. Actually. Sure, yeah. Well, we, <laughs> um, I know we actually have the, so the, and then we got some other things to get into too here. So, um, sure. let's go from here. Um, Peter hello, Hockey World. World. You've been listening to, uh, today is Wednesday, or no, it's Friday. Today is Friday, March 16th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Peter Tessier. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen from USA Today Sports. And I'm Eklund. We got a full lineup today. We got like, we, we can pull the goalie and have an extra skater on at any time. Um, like <laughs> you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. The podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, it's Friday, so like you know, I think we should bring back the old that we drink on Friday tradition that we used to do a long time ago. I could use a drink right now. I don't really drink straight gin right here. Straight gin, right? Yes. Diet iced tea, but anyway, that was an old an old tradition. Um, continuing our conversation, just continuing. Go ahead. I just to tie it up. The only yeah. point I was making is 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 about the Oilers is is that that I I don't think paying uh, certainly nobody argues that you know paying Connor McDavid is is uh, that he's being overpaid, but no. some people think they can't afford you know even Drysaddle at that amount. I I don't even think that's an issue. Now Lucic is a different. Like I wasn't trying to say that. Oh no, I know. No. Yeah, the teachers. I'm saying for the next GM, that is like yeah, they made a mistake. Problems. Yeah, no. and that's a mistake that many people saw coming. Yeah, their yeah. their their problem is not at the top of the scale. It's the four million dollars to Chris Russell. It's the four point one six million to Adam Larson. It's what they're paying Clefbaum, and Clefbaum has been hurt this year, so his drop in play is tied to that. But we've heard rumors about him being traded, like Peter said, and they, yeah. see that's that's where the management of the Oilers get in trouble because you know there may be good players there. They get, I mean, 
What is Everly doing with the Islanders? I think he has 24 goals. What's Taylor Hall doing with, with New Jersey right now? He, he's, a, he's a potential heart candidate. So these players didn't start sucking. They're actually good players. It's what's going on in Edmonton and why pieces don't seem to fit there. There's pressure. There's a lot of fan pressure that puts pressure on the players. It's, it's one of those markets now that has become very difficult to play in for players. It really has. Can, can I just but ask – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You can turn around, though. I mean, this is the thing. Oh, like, absolutely. If you're around. a GM, you go into that situation. I mean, you're like, the, I mean, look at look at what Colorado has done w- turning around with less. You know, like with less than less than. Yeah, but the, you don't know who the Colorado owner is in Edmonton. The owner needs to step back and stop bringing in the old guard and actually bring in like people who could identify business problems in the front office. People who could identify talent. Like they, you got to stop relying on these old Oilers that aren't going to help them. You know, and the and the situation is that they they brought in Bob Nicholson, they they bring in Chiarelli, they bring in Todd McClellan, and two of the three years that that group has been there, they're they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and and as as uh, Kevin said, and as has been out there, you know, it could be the end for Chiarelli, it could be the end for McClellan as well. And if it goes back to sort of the old boy network that was in place before then, when it was like Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish running, if all of a sudden Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey are are the inner circle for the Oilers, I'm not optimistic for Oilers fans. I think you do need hockey men who know what who purportedly know what they're doing running the show. Otherwise, this is just going to continue to be a cluster. We have a lot of assistant GMs. I mean, we're look look at what's happening in Carolina. There's a lot of assistant GMs that are qualified right now to be to gig on GM. I don't think we've had a better group of assistant GMs in a long time. I, don't you think, though, that the Carolina situation is is one that we, we haven't seen in a while, where yeah, yeah. where you, you know the assistant GMs may not be willing to take that job because right. you're not you're not you're not sure how much say you're really going to have. It's and funny. We, we've already seen with the Fuda pulling yeah. himself out. I mean, he he cast it as you know it's the wrong timing and all that, right. but. You know, I wonder if he's looking at that Seattle job going, um, you know, Lywicki knows who I am from his days right. in L.A. and and so forth. And, you know, that's going to be a more traditional setup. So, well, yeah, and I think Seattle and Edmonton, Edmonton possibly. Um, there's there's rumors that Minnesota might become open open this summer. Um, well, before you go any further, let me let me touch on what Kevin just said there for a second, because I have talked to a couple of these assistant GMs who are in, involved in this process, you know, and. And I haven't really gotten the sense, first of all, that as much as happening as is being reported happening by the G by the assistant GM spin machine out there, um, there are definitely talks. There are definitely conversations going on. Um, this GM, this 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 uh, owner really likes to talk on the phone. I've heard that from a couple people. Like he'll talk to, right. he'll talk to an assist. He'll talk to a possible candidate for a very long time about his team, um, and and you know, and has like a lot of you know, a lot of uh, stuff out there. But I do think I do think that some of this. Um, I'm not willing to take the job stuff is more about people who aren't really able to get the job um, than it is. No, 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 I, I, no. Mike, Mike food, Mike Fuda is as qualified as a, no, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's not. I know I'm not saying he isn't, it doesn't matter how qualified he is. If this, right. if this owner doesn't like him or doesn't mix blend with him. You know what I mean, and that that's what it, at the end of the day, I mean, what, what you're saying is he's probably that these candidates who may, may not have been a perfect fit are using this survey as cover for, for down the line. And that, that yeah. that's possible. All I know is the, the cautionary tale when John Ferguson jr. Was hired in Toronto. Uh, in I think it was Oh four or Oh five. Oh four. 
uh, and he and he took control with Pat Quinn as the coach, which was which was an awkward situation because Quinn was the former GM. He didn't have full control in Toronto. He had the MLS and he board. He had Larry Tannenbaum yeah, and he had Richard Petty, who was the team president at the, at the time, meddling in budgetary situations and player personnel decisions. Carolina is the, you can't combine, you can't compare Carolina to Toronto. Well, no, but I'm saying, I'm I mean, saying Dundon, yeah, Dundon, Dundon is asking, is asking for a direct line of communication with the GM and wants to be involved. That's, that's all what of, I'm all of, almost all mm -hmm. owners do that already. I mean, that's no, 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 but not to no, this no, no. There's no way worse than others. Way worse. There's no insulation there. If you if you go in there as a GM, there's very little insulation. And if you look at the the front office there, they have a very small front office. Right. They are lacking actual oh, employees there. There's no question about that. But people doing dual jobs, two and three jobs. That's an issue. If you're going to go in there and try and take that over, that will eliminate a lot of very qualified people because they don't. They're not going to like that here, management structure. Let me let me throw you a little. Business there are only there are only thirty there are only thirty one GM jobs out right. there. That's the thing. Let, let me throw a little business element to this. You buy the team and you see where um, Carmanos is stripped down and run at bare bones. Okay, you're getting into this and you're understanding things. So to Russ's point, this is a really valid point. You got a, a few people doing a lot of things, and that's a budgetary thing. This is yet the Canes have the Tony Stark of analytics in there. No, no, no. I'm not going to get into analytics debate. I'm just explaining that's who Eric Tulski is. They're right. expanding it out. The one of the biggest gripes in the hockey analytics community is that the teams that pay for analytics, they don't pay very much. It's not it's right. not in compare to their industries that use that kind of, of, of methodology and service. So keep bearing with me here. You, 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 the idea of this now is the change is not to identify what's going wrong or better on the ice and who's better on the ice. The shift with analytics now is to, is to figure out who's going to keep you from making a bad decision like signing Milan Lucic. This is this, this is what's happening. And I think with Carolina, you're going to see a different approach to this because you, you've, he, he's given the green light to hire more analytics people and expand the department. They're going to take a model where they're going to try and find efficiencies, not in the front office anymore, but to prevent themselves from having seven, eight year contracts for players they don't need right. because they don't fit. And it's going to take time. And yeah. I think the single reason why his name popped up and this all fits together is why Lawrence Gilman is probably going to take that job in there. And he's probably the only guy out there available right now who's played in that field and can bridge the gap compared to where the owner wants to go with his, with in his, in his front office services area and with the GM. I don't think there's another candidate out there who can do it. And I think it's Gilman's job to lose really. Here, here's my thought on all this. Go ahead. First, um, I think more people than not would take the job if offered and probably a vast majority because X, right? There aren't that many jobs. And sure. when you got an opportunity, you got to jump at it. Yep. I mean, if Gelman is offered the job, of course he's going to take it. If right. you know, if uh, Ryan Martin Detroit is offered the job, he's going to take it. If Paul Fenton is offered the job, he's going to take it yeah. because yeah. you know they've been waiting. They've been waiting their opportunity. And here's the key thing: now nobody knows how Dundon's going to be as an owner. We're only guessing, exactly. and the GM, assistant GMs all know that. Like you don't, we don't know. He could be the greatest owner in history. Yes. He has no history. All right. we know is that. <laughs> And look, and I've said this about the firing of Ron Francis, who 
you know, I thought had the team headed in the right direction, but you know, nobody gets, you know, four or five years to build anymore. And is it, is it unreasonable for Dundon to have fired him if, uh, for a team that has missed the playoffs nine consecutive years and the fourth time <laughs> under Ron Francis, it's not, Thank it's you. not uh, something it's, it's reasonable to do that. The unreasonableness was, as he said, the new GM is going to, um, report to him. And that's what it has everyone worried. But you don't know. I mean, he, you know, he may want all that. And he may be wanted to be wired in. But Craig Leopold likes to be told everything in Minnesota too, you know. But that doesn't mean he doesn't let Chuck Fletcher do what he wants to do. Right. So, all right, Kev. But let me ask you this: every owner, I'm sorry, one thing. Every owner that I've ever met um, does wants to know with with anything of significance happening with the. They want to know what's going on. I mean, it's completely, and it, it's, it would be absurd for them not to want to go. It, it's whether. The weird thing about this is he actually came out and said it. Okay, like he said he said it. He directly he said it, which gave some people who weren't who had, didn't have a shot at this the, the the ability to say I'm no, it's not I'm that's not right for me. But they they knew they didn't have a shot at it anyway. I mean, I heard somebody somebody use the excuse I didn't want to I don't want to piss off Ron Francis by going and taking this shot. I'm like, what the you know like that that sure, okay. But but no, it's not thing. it's not that's the way the hockey world works sometimes. It's not okay. it's weird. But they're down a couple positions in the front office. So when the new person comes in, who's hiring those positions? Is it the new person or is the new person interviewing them? And then they've got to interview with the owner and then the owner's going to decide right. that's something. And one other thing, this, this is, was lost on me until I just found this out recently. Yoni Pickenin is a scout for them. Is yeah. he really the guy you want scouting overseas? Like this is a guy who had no previous scouting experience. These are the kinds of things you have to get under control when you're a new owner. And so that's the part that I'm talking about. That is what he is saying to people, Russ. I mean, what he is saying to people that I've talked to is he wants to get this under control. Like he, his whole thing is we need structures in place. We need this has, and he's looking at a situation that he's coming into that in his mind is, is completely out of control. So all he's saying is, listen, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take over this for now. And he's not saying he's going to be like this crazy hands-on owner. Um, he, but he, he's going to be a hands-on owner because he feels like he has to be right now because of the situation and he owns the team and it's, and he also doesn't mind the fact that Carolina's name is getting mentioned by the media. And it, it, that's also a good thing. So he's yeah. okay being a little controversial, I think, but at the same time, he, but, when, but the people who've actually spoken to him say he's incredibly, he's way more reserved than you would think. He's way more like, I just, I want this to be structured. I want this to be done the right way. I want to make sure our moves you are solid. You remember his, his background too, Eck, and that plays right to what he is. He's 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 a capital. He's a venture capitalist. Yeah, that plays right into the wheelhouse of controls, right? Placement, research, yeah, systems. He's like, all about do that. your homework, work your plan, plan your work, work your plan, and grow and do it smart. And you know what? I've yet to meet anyone in the venture capital capital industry who is not somewhat controlling just yeah. like artistic people oh, just yeah. like creative people there's yeah. an element of control that they have to have Absolutely. now let me ask this we don't know a lot about him but who would you rather have more hands-on eugene melnick like take <laughs> your pick we have two two owners who have recently said i'm getting involved and getting closer to the team <laughs> like i know who i'm choosing right now and it's not melnick yeah, no, I mean, well, we know Melnick, right? We don't know this guy. Um, even other owners, I've talked to other owners, even guys who are really like, who really are influential owners have said, I met him once, you know, they, 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 they're, it's, it's funny because I, when I tried to get to know him and tried to find, I went through people I knew, right? And just see like, okay, who knows him? Who could set me up with an interview with him? That kind of thing. Um, 
you know, eventually just went to Carolina, the, the Hurricanes themselves, because so many people said, wait, I met him once. He's nice. I, I don't really know him that well, though. You'd just be just as good going, you know, through Carolina. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I just, we really don't know. They don't know much about him, except for the fact, I think that people at the NHL like him. Um, and I, and, that, and some people I respect at the NHL like him a lot, which is which tells me something well, that, and, and those are the people no who've really gone out of their way. But that doesn't mean every every assistant GM or GM wants to work for him. That's well, all. No, right. and, then, no, and, but and they will, like, like Kevin said, they will if they can, because I and, mean, well, and, how, like look at Botterell. There, how many people interviewed for that job? You know, so many people interviewed for that job in Buffalo. Um, all these guys are interviewing for this job, and yeah. and and there have been concerns in Buffalo about. Terry and Kim Pagula sort of meddling into player personnel decisions and how only like on the Buffalo Bills side of it, only when they brought yeah. in the, 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 the duo from the Carolina Panthers has that gone by the wayside because they seem to be in, in control. You know, it, owners are owners. They have money. They own the team. That's their, you know, they can do what they want with it because they own the team. But there are not many owners who are so attuned that they can actually, you know, manage a team. You know, I mean, Jerry Jones tries to, I, you know, Mark Cuban tries to, and that's one of the things with Dundon. He's associated with with Cuban, and maybe that's unfair. And the one the one difference is that the NHL, like you just said, they seem to like Dundon. The NBA does not like Mark Cuban. They don't like the way he acts. They don't like the way he mouths off. They don't like his personality. They 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 just bear it because he owns a team and he can do what he wants. If Dundon doesn't operate like that and operates more conservatively, then I think this is all, you know, much ado about nothing. But yeah. if he tries to, you know, sort of buck the trend, I, I don't think it's going to be successful. Well, wait, I mean, remember, Charles Wong was conservative, but he wasn't a good owner, but he no, still I, was conservative. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't mean I, I mean. He was mean, ultra conservative. This he, is I a mean, league that tolerated Harold Ballard. Well, Kevin brings up Craig Leopold. And it's a really interesting case because yeah. Craig does is a hands-on owner. He does yeah. like know what's going on, and yet he has never fired a GM in how like thirty years. Yeah, that's right. Craig yeah. Leopold used to like to sit in uh, Barry Trotz's office when he was owner in Nashville after the game. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I I have Trotz seen never Mark fired a GM. I mean, this is incredible. Very hands-on, but, and but I have seen we, Mark but, and Chevy meeting as well after games and just chatting. What, and it happens, but, but it's the boundaries. Let's let's look at it this way, and I use this word too, and it's probably the wrong word. You know, I always use uh, you know he overmetals is what I say when owners get too involved. But is that really accurate? Because it's their team; they can do whatever mm -hmm. they want with. Now, let's just use Ed Snyder and Mike Illich. Now, right. could there be two more owners who were more involved in their teams? Sure. No. Now, do we think both of those were good owners? I think we do. I think we think oh, Ed like Snyder was a good owner, and I think we think the late Mike Illich as well was a was well, a good. And, I and Ed Snyder made the Flyers sign Ilya Brzezgala. Like, you. I mean, think about and but but still, Ed Snyder is, is you know legendary. He's he's the whole team, and and Illich, I'm sure, did things like that as well, perhaps in Detroit, but still legendary. These are these are legendary owners, yeah. And and because at the end of the day, what fans want out of owners, I always believe, is passion. They yeah. want the right. owner to look like they care about what's happening, and and, and if they make a mistake because they care about what's happening, they'll yeah. they're okay with it. Like the and Flyers need a goalie. And George Steinbrenner signed George Steinbrenner signed Steve Kemp and Ed Whitson. How did that turn out? Right, but you know, but fans will always sit back and say, "I'd rather make but a mistake." Fans, but fans like Steinbrenner because yeah, he, they love him because he wanted to win. Right, right. 
And that was that's all that mattered. Illich and Snyder too. And that's that's how it comes down to you know, like, oh sure, Brisgar was a bad sign, but yeah, we all said we need to get a goalie. So we had, he went and got what he thought was the best goalie at the time. Maybe we didn't work doing great, but you know that's that's how it that's how it goes. And you know, that's different than what you've seen in like Ottawa, for example. You know? <laughs> um but, you know, there are different situations, and I think that's when fans get really pissed off when they feel like their owner isn't doing everything he can do. Well, look, um, I think that this owner in Carolina is going to do everything he can do. You mentioned, you mentioned Ottawa, and it, it, was, it, it was interesting that, that the hubbub that was brought up by a Don Brennan article a couple days ago uh, regarding uh, – he interviewed Bobby Ryan, and Bobby Ryan indicated that the Sunday before the trade deadline – he, he pretty much had some an indication that they were gone. Him and Eric Carlson were gone and that the, yeah. and that the team uh, that we, they were going to backed out at the last minute. Um, you know, now that, that's not any kind of great revelation, but I, for those who thought that the deal wasn't close, that's sort of an, an inner look at the fact that it was close. Now, I don't know whether it, I would close assume according was, to Bobby Ryan, but those, the, the, you know, what do players know sometimes, you know, like that's the, honestly, the, he's hearing, he's hearing rumors from people all over the place too. Right. He's, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's reading hockey buzz and the rest <laughs> right. of the other. And maybe his agent called him and told told him what he heard too. I never know? once wrote that Bobby Ryan and Carlson well, were going to Well, together. yeah, I mean, I just used that. <laughs> but no, but you're, you're right. What you're saying there, I agree with you completely. And that and they are. Did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's just, let's let's move on to Seattle because Kevin wrote okay. about Seattle and I want to talk about Seattle. Um because I think it's an interesting situation. I'll throw one thing out I heard about Seattle, Kevin. I don't know if this makes any sense to you because we haven't even talked about this and I wanted to talk to you about it, but I'll do so here. So one person I talked to, I thought might be involved in Seattle, right? One of one of the people I thought, okay, this guy's probably going to go to Seattle. I said, are you? I said, rumor has it, you know, you could be going there. And um, we were just having a conversation. He said, he said that's a crazy situation. I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. <laughs> All right, this is what he said to me, which was a strange response. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if you've gotten anything anything like that at all from from what you've no, seen. No, um, the only situation, what I the sense I have in Seattle is, is that people are absolutely. Stunned and delighted that the uh, the fan reaction and mm -hmm. yeah the uh, my uh, take would be that the fan reaction was helped by the success of the Vegas yeah um, you know if you looked at the one of the fans I quoted you know he said we look at that and he said you know that could have been our team you know we felt like we we should have gotten a better shake to get a expansion team you know when Vegas got theirs and you know what's lost in all that is. Uh, is just how important this is to the league. Like they're the 14th yeah. largest uh, television market in the country. Like they're bigger than St. Louis and Pittsburgh and Minneapolis, St. Paul. I yeah. mean, they're bigger than a lot of uh, established NHL markets. And yeah. um, you know, they have a the the only element that's going to cause them. Um, and I couldn't get a, a good handle on it. And to be honest, I you know I just wanted to, I, this wasn't the area I was going into, but right. I didn't have a sense that all the the arena situation is buttoned up. Mm -hmm. uh, that that was the sense I have. I mean, I think in general terms it is, but you know, I I know Lywicky without going into specifics said, you know, we still got work to do. And he said that you know the mayor needed to sign off on you know what was going on with the arena. So I, I you know, but I I think this is all just a go go go. And you know, the one thing he did tell me, which has kind of created some some buzz within the the marketplace, is a thousand of the season tickets. Uh, deposits came from Canada, yeah, um, and yeah. they got some from Alaska and uh, quite a few from Oregon. They even had some from the Northeast. So I, you know, I don't know exactly 
how that's going to work, but apparently some people in the Northeast bought some. Long, a long commute. It is. No, they're going to they're gonna sell them. They're going to scale. There are a lot of businesses there, too, that are stationed that, that have north that have Western offices. In yeah, Seattle. that could well be. That's that could a, be that, that's too. A, yeah. um, but I, I think this is all very, very much a – and, you know, you got Bruckheimer, who's involved, uh, and Bonderman's a billionaire. Like, I think the league is thrilled with the ownership group, yeah. like Wiki, who's been around in two different organizations. Yeah. Like, yeah. this has got all the makings of a slam dunk. This is going to be a wonderful – you know, situation. Now, the only thing I could say that's kind of a negative is how do you follow the act of yeah. George McPhee? Yeah. Like, I don't think you even try. Like, I, that's a whole different entity. I don't think you, you worry about that. You can't. No. And, well, and, it doesn't matter whether you worry about it. it you know, <laughs> no, you're, you're stuck uh, with it. You have to, you have to yeah, follow it. You have no choice. I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, but you, that's how you'll be judged. I mean, the standard um, for uh, the expansion draft is so high. That's yeah, you're a comedian, and Robin Williams just came off the stage. You know, you've got yeah. that's that. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, this is a point that's been made to me by another uh, general manager. Yeah, you know, we've seen one of these now, yeah. and we'll yeah. do a better job to protect. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know? just, will they? That's a, that's a really, well, that's a really just, I mean, can they honestly? Not every, not every general manager made mistakes for the expansion draft. No, no, not not at all. And George and, McPhee did a good job. But for example, would would uh, uh, would David Poyle have traded uh, Neil? Um, I think he would have. I I think he yeah. felt like he was going to be able to make a deal, and he didn't able to. He wasn't able to make a deal. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't, I'm just guessing. And would that would that have changed, Kevin? Had they not gone to the Stanley Cup Finals? Like, had he had more time to think about it? Because honestly, there was hardly any time for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's uh, no. That's but if you go point. back, I mean, would would Yarmo Kekalainen want William Carlson back? Yeah, probably. But was he playing under the current coach? No, he wasn't. See, this is this, is this is what we learned about this draft, uh, and what and what the future owners have to learn about. There are a lot of people in the NHL, a lot of players in the NHL that, given more responsibility, can be a lot better than they are. Yes, and that yeah. that's what that that's what you have to look for. That's what that's what Vegas did right. Vegas found the guys who, given more responsibility. Are a lot better than they I, were. I think. I think NHL general managers will be more prepared for this upcoming expansion draft with Seattle than they were for the one with Vegas. I think you know. First of all, Vegas. I I think benefited from the fact that they were the first in there. Even though the Raiders are coming to Vegas, they were. The, they benefited from the fact that they were the first professional franchise to go in there. And I think what's important for Seattle is I. They're getting in before the NBA comes back. They're going to get first dibs on scheduling at that new arena. So, and that's a that that'll be a big thing for you know if they, if they get Saturday nights instead of the NBA, oh, yeah, that, that, that's that's going to be a big thing for them. So, I I think it's encouraging. But I agree with Kevin. The the one the one thing that how do you follow up the success of Vegas? That's once in a millennium that that. Well, the one thing they can do, Mike, is they can they can hire a consultant this summer. And let that consultant eventually be the GM and right. let that person already start getting some people, other people who could be scouts and stuff, and start scouting the talent, start going to the games. Yeah. I Russ, did a very good job of that. You are so bang on. You don't need, even need to have a GM, but you need to have the underlyings of what makes a hockey organization yeah. tick. And you can throw all the analytics in the, in, in the pot if you want, but if you don't have people who can take information and data and make sense of what it is on the ice, don't even bother spending $650 million. That's exactly where you start. And we all know the teams that are doing it well and the ones that aren't. Right. You need and a GM. You need a GM in this situation who can build a culture and not just a team. 
which is which is which is tricky. Like that yep. to me, like you know, like what the the successful GMs, um, Poyle in Ve Poyle in Nashville build a culture there. Um, you know what's happening in Vegas, they build a culture there. It, it's more, it's it's way more than just building a team. And that's you know like when you look at these assistants, that's why like one of these assistant GMs, I wouldn't be the guy I would bring into Seattle. Like no, I would bring no. it in Seattle. You've got to bring in somebody. It's got to almost yeah. have somebody like a Holland or somebody who's been who's been involved in a hockey culture, and like McPhee was in Washington. You know, like he built a culture there. Okay, what is that? Yeah, I have no idea. That is a clock, and that's in my house. And <laughs> <laughs> if there's nothing, I just turned two o'clock. Sounded like Mr. Softy was driving through your living room. Yes. Can I? Can I have? Can I have a, a vanilla with rainbow jimmies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the good humor man just pulled up. So. <laughs> okay. No, but you know what I mean. It's got to be a culture build, and it, it, yeah. it that's that's the. That's the guy you got to get in now, like ahead of time, like you're well, saying. Well, I, I think, well, and I, I heard that uh, Lewicki's brother, Todd, who was a COO of the NFL, I believe, he left his position. And I, I'd heard something about him joining the, the, the Seattle organization. I don't know if that's the well, case. Well, he was in Seattle, or excuse me, in Tampa and did an incredible job there. Of, yeah, uh, right. You know, that, 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 the stuff that you see in Tampa with um, – you know, reduce pricing for season ticket holders for concessions and um, all that. Like he was the president of the team um, and he left there and ended up uh, in the NFL. So um, he's a, a very skilled and, and well, a savvy guy. Yeah, well, let, let's ex let's extrapolate from that because I, I, I think everybody is thinking this is going to happen sooner rather than later. Seattle is going to be, you know, it's going to be the, they're going to be the 32nd team. Yes. And I know Eck wrote Eck wrote something on Wednesday regarding uh, the potential expansion of of the playoff format. And right. the reason it came up in the last couple of weeks is I, I had heard that Adam Silver and the NBA they were talking about the potential of having uh, expanding it to twenty with a like a seven versus ten and eight versus nine. And I know we talked about this before, Kevin. But if they go to thirty two teams. And I know that uh, John Shannon uh, said that the, the, at the GM meetings, this is not even on the agenda right now. And Gary Bettman has come out saying he's not really for it. But if the GMs, if the ownership of, of the teams and the GMs want this, I don't know if it matters whether Gary Bettman wants it or not. Well, it, it only matters in this regard. Um, uh, you know, what Gary Bettman would probably say to owners is, they look, we're eventually going to go there. We don't need to do it now. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, – um, you know, I think if he wanted not to do it, but he has said publicly that he is not in favor of this. Right. And we were all there when he said it. And um, there's been, uh, I loved Larry Brooks's tweet about it saying, you know, of course this is supported by general managers yeah, yeah. because more of them wanted to want to protect their jobs. I didn't see that, but I wrote the same thing. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. This is, you're giving the GMs a chance to say, should we put more teams in the playoffs? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, yeah, of course. He goes, that's, just, you know, that's <laughs> and, well, I put this out to the fans. And I put out three scenarios to the fans to vote on yesterday. Um, and one would be just to keep it as it is. The second was to go to the eighth and ninth seeds, playing like one game to get in. And this, and then the other being the seven, being all the wild card spots. Like, so the seventh playing 10th and eighth playing ninth. So you have the 20, which actually is what I'm in favor of. If you're going to do this, I think you do it that way. But yeah. The fans, uh, the, the so over two thousand people responded to this yesterday. Sixty-two um, percent want to keep it just as it is. Only yeah. nine, only nine percent want the eighth versus ninth, and then the then there were twenty-nine percent who saw thought the seven versus ten, eight versus nine, two playoff 
two play two playing games was good, but fans want to keep this as it is, which is really strange because in a way, I mean, that's counterproductive to fans as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you know, I have said this for a while that I favored. I love the baseball scenario, and but when I write it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I get crucified upside down, yeah. um, just because fans, as a general rule, love the tradition of the way it is. The four rounds, it's pure. You know, none of this little uh, play in, no um, little dovetail. <laughs> the tradition of two thousand and ten. I mean, this was no. that long ago that we went to this, right? But uh, four four rounds. No, 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 but of actually having like this 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 playoff format that we're oh, kind of it's not just format the round. They like the four rounds. They like the actual yeah, yeah, okay. Like I guess what you're saying, the yeah. Four rounds playoffs. But I love it because I love the baseball one. And mm-hmm. you know, my argument is people say, well, it makes the the regular season unimportant. Well, no, it doesn't. No, it it doesn't. makes it very important. It's no. what it says is, you know, you gotta get get out of that little thing. It's your fault if you get <laughs> in <that spot>. you <laughs> exactly. know? don't don't get in one of those spots. You, you know what, though, Kev? It also gives the league a chance to get out of this current playoff structure, which, again, you had said the fans voted on and they went with it and nobody seems to like it. It would get them out of that, too. I, I think there's it's more likely we'll get that change, though, than, yeah. than, 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 than this. Um, well, I, I like both changes. I would like to see us to go in, and I think if you're the NHL, you know, you sell that uh, play into some other network. I don't care who it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. you create this kind of special, unique thing. I, I think the ratings on those games would be unbelievable. It'd be great. I, I think it'd well, be great. One, one game to, you know, you know, for, for all the marbles. Well, are you a fan of eight versus nine? Are you a fan of the, just the one or the, or the entire Well, one? the problem is, is you can't extend the season too much. So no, I, they can all be played on the same night. You know, like no, well, no, no, no. Okay. No, no. I, I, fig- I figured this out. The, the, the regular season ends normally on a Sunday, and the playoffs start Wednesday, Thursday. You could have the play-in game played on Monday, the second one played on Tuesday, and start the playoffs on Wednesday and right. Thursday. It would not, it would not move yeah, the you playoffs. Only, I mean, you're not extending the amount of nights by yeah. doing what I'm saying to do, like because you can have two games in one night. I mean, you can have, like, if you're 7 versus 10, so say right now in the East, it would be Columbus would play Carolina, New Jersey would play Florida. The winners of those winners would go on to be the wild card teams. And that's it. Um, well, I haven't really sorted out in my head whether it's one or two, but I just like the concept. I, I think I'd rather actually prefer just to have one start now. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. Part, of, part of the challenge is, is that a lot of these things are interlinked to other issues with the NHL. First of all, you've got you, a lot of this ties into the play-in is do you want to keep having, if you're going to open it up and, and have a play-in thing, do you want to keep having the current point system? Because that throws a bit of a wrench in how things are done too. And one of the things that we've talked about in the past on the Buzzcast is the marketing opportunity and how it could be even better and it's dwindling with the trade deadline. And if you're now going to keep more teams in it with a play-in opportunity to keep going, how likely are you to have the excitement of the trade deadline mean anything anymore and teams... So something's got to change there. There is no excitement at the trade deadline. There was only 16 trades. It was nothing that happened. It was really exciting. I couldn't wait to find out Carlson was (laughs) traded. Um, No, but the um, no, so. It wasn't that bad this year, but here's well, my point. Team was a great trade. I thought you're going with that, and and Kevin knows I'm a real big fan of this. Is the three points for a regulation win yep. thing, which has to happen in my mind because we are yep. seeing so many. I agree. Boring, That's so where I was going. Boring games yeah, right now. That's not going to change, so unfortunately. But if you got if you, if you if you put twenty if you put a seven versus ten, eight versus nine. You could do the three for regulation win and be and be okay. See, that's where because when I've talked to Angel before, of course they're afraid that this is going to eliminate the terrible teams, but this would just make the playoff races incredible. 
if you had well, if i'm it's not going to happen I, if, you know, I'm fair, yeah, I know, if i'm don fair maybe yeah but it's not going to happen if i'm don fair no, i get right. some, i get some people <laughs> in there yeah. and i sort out a way that we can reduce the season by six games they won't and do players will love it hang on but here's here's what happens you got to find the way you restructure the revenue but the revenue for the next six for the teams is guaranteed so if your team wins your players are going to get season performance values from back from the league and then use that space of the other six games as your two mini series best of three i don't think they're going to play do it. in they'll, up the, they'll want to do that with the six regular season game yep. Yep. yeah that's I think there's a way to do it. I'm not sure how to do it, but I think there's a way to do it. Let me do my best Johnny Manziel imitation right there. Money, money, money. Not not going to happen. They're not going to. They're not going to reduce. It doesn't seem like to me the NHL would do. It seems to me like the NHL. The thing, just the way they do things, is we're talking about eight versus that. That this, we have this one playoff game, playing game, and it'll be two. Like that's what it feels like will happen. Like that's the way the NHL would do it. They would say, okay, by the way, it's seven versus ten, eight versus nine, and that feels yeah. like because we're all like thinking there's going to be one. Like you said, Kevin, why don't we just try one? But at the end of the day. And I, and I, I actually, why not I actually, do two? If you're going to do one, why not do two and have the battle to be? If you're a top three in the division, so this makes the division races. I, I, I actually think the excitement of the of a play in dissipates if it's a best of three. I, I've seen that should be a best of three. We've all, we've all yeah. seen best of three series back in the late '70s and early '80s. Oh, yeah, they, they were horrendous. They were, they, you know, they weren't that. They weren't that great. So, no, they weren't but here, great. my my point is, if you're a team, like, why would you? If you're the seventh team. Why should you have to? And what if you're separated by 10 points? I agree. Why should yeah. you have to play the 10th team to get in? Screw yeah. them. I, I, I just thought of you're that. Out. I hadn't given no that. No way anyone's going to buy into that. I'm with, I'm with them on that. that that's yeah, what there's I was no way. To think that. I, the yeah, the last team, what that's if you're, the problem. Yeah, what if you're no, one I, point for being six, but you're 10 up on the 10th guy and you've got to play to get in? No way. But oh, if we did this, suddenly no the Montreal Canadiens are six points out of a playoff spot, you know. And now, right now, like that, and this, you know, the Islanders. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it would be crazy how you'd have these teams that you that should. It, it's a that's that's thing you have to say to yourself, you know. So many other elements to make this work, as opposed to just saying, "Oh, we'll just do a play-in for the bot for the bottom two. Yeah, the, you know, the, the other argument is, is that you know you can make a case that the, that you know if the ninth is playing the eighth. But if 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 the the seven team oh, gets it. knocked out, is the you know is the other team? I got it. Is that good? So, I figured it out, guys. I, 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 out. I, I think I let me let me see if you. How about eight, right. nine, ten, and eleven? Eight versus eleven, nine versus ten, and then the winners play each other, and too the much. one team makes too convoluted. That's too convoluted. <laughs> Here's my thinking. Okay, you have a possibility of you. You can go seven versus eleven. Eight versus or seven versus ten, eight versus nine. However, to qualify to, for a playoff play-in game, you have to get to ninety-five points. So, oh, like, no one gets there. No, so you know, no, 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 no. So no one gets because what you don't want to have is like you're saying that you have like a ten-point difference or whatever, right? But if you have teams that were say ninety points, or pick a number that's like that's reasonable that you can but say you can't pick a number because there are years when teams with less points make yeah. it because everybody's bad like remember, yeah. remember no playoff you game unless you get number. to 90 points remember this is a league that had the fourth place team in the north in the norris division who was 40 points behind everybody else make the playoffs so yeah. a 10 point difference it's you know, the, it's in the history of the league i don't think that's i like i like what tyler dello said yesterday he tweeted out, why not have um, 40 teams and you have a relegation 
and you can go <laughs> oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't soccer. Let's go. No. Oh, is, I mean, if you're going to have. Relegated to the first... Swedish Elite League. Throw somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my prediction. Go As ahead. a guy who's covered the league for 30-some years. Yes. This is how it'll happen. This is my, my prediction. Here we go. You're going to see a change in the playoff format so that we get away from divisional. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm sure of that. I agree. Eventually, this year? eventually, but not so, No, not this year. No. Not, well, not. Uh, uh, eventually, but not soon, we will have a, a play-in game. We will not see a change to the old style uh, three point or the, to the three point right. international thing. We right. will not, never see that. No, that's my prediction on how it's going to happen. I'm aware that there is sort of an openness to the idea that we need to probably change the playoff format. I think that they, the league just doesn't like the fact that sometimes our top two teams have to play each other early. And right. I think they're kind of open to changing that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You know, this is this all scrolled on a couple of tablets already, Kev? Is this for me? Is this yeah. already scrolled down on a well, couple of tablets? No, no, <laughs> not, not not really. But I, I do think that, and I and I think eventually, uh, when there's when they run out of re uh, ways to create ancillary revenue, they'll they'll, they'll embrace the uh, the the play-in game um, because yeah. that, you know because that could be quite a bonanza. You can sell the television rights to a different network. Yep. You know those tickets. How much are those tickets going to be? You could charge. Uh, you know Stanley Cup final prices for those tickets. One game, whether you're in or not. You know. Here's my yeah, prediction: as a lockout what... guy, this will be this will be a lockout issue. Like it'll be like okay, during during the next strike, we'll be talking about next strike slash lockout. If they, that play on that play-in game, all the revenues go to the players, right? That's part of the that's what we're gonna do. That's the players' association play-in games. Uh, anyway, that uh, could happen. Um, but here, I think the way to fix. I think the yeah, way to sure. fix what we have to do. What what I I think they're onto something, but I just the problem is they always have to be. So exact in either way, but what what will work best? Keep it like it is now for the first round, and just reseed after the first round. If you did that, that would save everything because I do like the second place third in divisions, and I do think the first, you know, and I do think the top teams playing the wild cards. But then after that, after the winners of that comes through, no. But see, the problem with receiving is is if you've beaten a team that has, let's say, you know, home ice throughout. And you don't have a great record. All of a sudden, you lose that. Like you beat yeah. somebody. That no, you should. You should never have home ice. If you if you, I, if, you if you came in eighth place, you should never have no, home I ice. Just doesn't talk, matter. How did I beat the team that had it? No, 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 no. You. But the problem comes in the second round. The problem yeah. is not the, the top, first round. Here, here, the top two seeds can pick their opponent, and after the first <laughs> round, it's reseeded. Oh, gosh. That's no, not that, you know there would be so many upsets because you know let's like, draw names out of a hat. We're gonna kill that. That's such such great stuff. That would be such great drama because if team feels like they're being picked to oh man, they would sell they would, the here Tampa Bay, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> they would just kill it. The loser gets the first pick overall in the draft. All right. Um yeah. <laughs> no, I quit your loser. The loser the 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 loser in the Stanley Cup final gets gets the first pick overall in the draft. That's what we need to do. Can, that's, can, that's our um that's our buzzer. Um uh, great. Have a great, thanks so much, guys, for joining us today. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Have a wonderful weekend. Lots of games on tap. Talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.